Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. And, and all of us are characters in God's story. Please settle that in your heart today, that you and I are, are characters in God's story. And God, you know, they, Joseph and Moses and Abraham and Adam and Noah were, were not any better than you or I, okay? And they just happened to be in a place where God used them and they obeyed and did what, or disobeyed, and in Adam's case. And they were a part of, you know, the story. And you and I, whether we like it or not, are going to play a part in God's story. The question is, are you going to be an antagonist or a protagonist? Are you going to be on God's side or are you going to be on the enemy's side, right? And so um, I love this quote. Uh, Max Lucado said, one of the life lessons we learn from Joseph is, you'll get through this, okay? If there's anything we can learn from the scripture and the study of Joseph's life is you'll get through this. Whatever you're going through today, you're going to get through it. You just, you, you'll get through this. He goes on to say it won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will use this mess for his good. Amen? In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive. And don't despair either. With God's help, you will get what? Thank you, Greg, through this. See, so Joseph's story begins with uh, the story of his parents, Jacob and Rachel, okay? And they loved, Jacob and Rachel loved each other with all of their heart. One of the problems in their marriage was Rachel was unable to bear children. So Jacob fathered 10 sons through some of his other wives, and just so you know, it was okay back then, so don't you go trying this, okay? <laughs> don't get any ideas, okay? Um, but Rachel was still un unable to conceive, and so finally, after years of waiting, Rachel, Rachel was actually able to give birth to a son, and that son's name was what? Joseph, yeah. And then a little bit later, um, she was able to give birth to another son, and that son was named what? Benjamin. And then Rachel passed away, okay? Rachel died. In the meantime, um, God changes Jacob's name to what? Israel, okay? He changes, just like Abram, was, his name was changed to what? Abraham. And Sarai was changed to Sarah, now, God comes to Jacob and says, I'm going to change your name, and it's going to be Israel, okay? So when you're reading Scripture and you see that, he may not be talking to the entire nation specifically, but he may be mentioning him by name, Israel, okay? Just so you know, we'll get more to that in just a little bit, okay? And so um, Rachel dies. Uh, in the meantime, uh, God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and and Israel, or Jacob, had a special affection for his son, one of his sons, um, Joseph. And so the Bible says in Genesis 37, it's there in your notes, it'll appear on the screen. He says, Israel 
meaning, jo- meaning Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his sons. Just a side note, bad idea. <laughs> Just so you know, okay? Don't go there. <laughs> You're setting your family up for disaster when that happens. But he, you know, he had a reason because it was born to him in his old age, and so he thought he could get away with it. And so he made this, this, this richly, uh, this ornament kind of jacket. It's called a, a, a coat of many colors, as a matter of fact. And uh, he gave it to his, his son. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. They hated Joseph and, and wouldn't even say a kind word to him. So to make matters worse, Joseph starts having these dreams, Right? He starts having all these strange dreams, and, and, and those, some of those dreams, uh, they actually showed Joseph that his brothers were going to be bowing before him, and, you know, he was going to be kind of over them, and, and you know, these dreams indicated that one day, one day that Joseph would actually rule over his brothers. And so, note to self, uh, if that ever happens to you, keep it to yourself, Okay, <laughs> you know, it's, I love the Bible because it, it exposes all of it, right? You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so, you know, Joseph's telling all this stuff, and, and his brothers are getting angry, and he knows it, you know, and so all of a sudden, you know, he's just saying that you're going to, you know, bow down to me and rule over, I'm going to rule over you. And so finally, finally, um, they decided that they'd had enough of this guy, Right? I mean, you know, they saw Joseph, you know, out in the fields. As a matter of fact, his father, Israel, uh, asked Joseph to go check, do a wellness check, right, on his brothers and to go out and see if they were okay out in the field. They're out, you know, with the flocks way far away. And Joseph, you know, was home with the dad because he loved him more, right? And so, so he sends Joseph out on a wellness check for his, you know, his sons, his other 10 sons, and as, you know, Joseph goes out and checks on them, and as he's getting close to them, his brothers see him from a distance, and they say, you know, we got to get rid of this dude. You know, he's like, he's like on our only nerve we have left, right? And so we've got we've to kill this, this kid. And so they started to devise a plan that they were going to kill him, um, and then the closer he got, you know, Reuben steps in and he says, let's not kill him. Let's do something different. Let's, let's just throw him in one of these cisterns or wells and he'll starve to death and we won't have to, we don't have blood on our hands, okay? And so they were going to do that and then, then he's getting closer and then all of a sudden they see this, this, this band of gypsies coming along, which was, you know, a group of uh, Ishmaelites that were coming along through the desert and they decided, you know what, rather than then throwing them in the, in the cistern or the well, let's sell them into slavery to this group, this band of fellas coming along. So after they debated, they just decided that's what we're going to do. So they would sell Joseph as a slave and tell, them, tell his father that he was killed by some, you know, ferocious animal. And so they took some blood, put it on the coat of many colors, and took it back to his father or, yeah, Joseph's father, and said he was killed, and uh, this is the proof, right? Now, Joseph, on the other hand, was taken into Egypt and purchased as a slave into Potiphar's house 
a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's government, Pharaoh being the highest ranking, and then one of his high-ranking officials was Potiphar, okay? And so the Bible says uh, in Genesis 39, let's check this out. You'll see the story as it's developing. The Lord was with, verse 30, chapter 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Now remember, where's he at? Huh? He's, he's in slavery, right? He's in Egypt. He's a slave. Everyone say slave. Uh, think about that. Let's not pass over these words so quickly. He's a slave, and he's, he's doing what slaves do, right? And he's slaving around. And so he, he's taken it in as a slave. The Lord was with Joseph, and he what? He prospered. <laughs> and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned, everything that he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Wow. It's pretty amazing. You know, you get sold as a slave, and you end up on top pretty amazing. Sounds like Joseph kind of landed on his feet in this, in this deal. Unfortunately, things would start to go south pretty quickly. Now, this next portion of Scripture may sound a lot like me, according to my wife, but it's not, okay? Just so you know. In Genesis 39, 7 and 8, it says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. <laughs> That's what my wife tells me all the time. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. So Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, hey, hey, good-looking, what you got cooking? My paraphrase. Uh, she, he, she said, come, come to bed with me, but he refused. He, she was trying to seduce him. And Joseph held his ground in spite of this woman that was repeatedly trying to do, you know, get him in bed. He, woman's repeated efforts to get him to sleep with her. And he was determined to do the right thing. Folks, we have to be determined to do the right thing. We have to position our hearts to do the right thing, to guard against the enemy's attacks and temptations. And Joseph had prepositioned himself to do the right thing. I mean, he's done it ever since he was, you know, a young boy, except for bragging on what God was going to do through him. <laughs> and then, then he's, he did it as a slave, you know, here in Potiphar's house. And I just want you to know that doing the right thing doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you'll experience only good at the time. You know, you, you do the right thing and instantly everything, you're on top. No, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes doing the right thing will cost you dearly. And you have to be willing to accept that. That doing the right thing and honoring the Lord here may cost me. But it's still worth it to maintain my integrity and my honesty. But I can tell you this, that eventually you'll end up back on top if you do the right thing with the right attitude. Okay? So Joseph's rejection of Potiphar's wife offended her. Can you imagine? 
So she decided, I'm going to frame him. It's kind of like a, kind of like a, a you know, spy story, right? Or one of the shows we watch, right? What'd you say, hon? Soap opera, whatever. Okay. So she accused him of making, she, I don't watch those, so I, I don't know. Um, she accused him of making untoward advances. Uh, and Potiphar, as you can imagine, got really ticked off and threw him in jail. And, uh, you know, he just, he just was so furious that he had had enough about this Joseph character um, trying to take advantage of his wife. I mean, how can you not believe your own wife, right? And so uh, he goes through this whole deal. Um, she accuses him. And uh, he gets thrown into jail. Let me just stop here and say there's no such thing as a secret. All right? Here we are some thousands of years later. Um, she thought she got away with this lie and got him locked up because she wouldn't, he wouldn't sleep with her. And she felt like she got, you know, she won. And here we are thousands of years later reading about this, this you know, nasty old woman trying to take advantage of this young man. Because <laughs> there's no such thing as a secret. Live your life that way. Live your life in a way that says, you know what, there's no such thing as a secret. Whatever I do in, in the darkness will be um, sh uh, shined upon in the night, okay? So always remember that little idea, that, that concept that there's no such thing as a secret. I learned that years and years ago, and, and I've just never, never bought into, I can get away with this, no one will ever know. And so I want to encourage you to do that as well. So the Bible says, here we are. Here we go again. The Bible says in Genesis 39, verse 21, but while Joseph was in the prison, there it is again. What does it say? What? The Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him what? Favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I mean, this guy, this is a cool dude, right? I mean, he gets, he gets sold into slavery and ends up on top. He gets thrown into prison and he gets end up, ends up on top again. Wow. I mean, it wasn't long before Joseph's running the prison for the warden. And a little while later, Pharaoh got angry with a couple of his major officials and he, because of something, and he decides to throw them in prison as well. And so Joseph in prison with the favor of God was able to explain or interpret the dreams that these men had. All of a sudden, they started having these dreams, see? And, and Joseph was able to interpret those dreams, and, and uh, he said, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is the dream. One of you will soon be released, and one of you will soon be executed. <laughs> wow. So... The one, the one that was going to be set free, Joseph said, hey, when you get out, remember me. <laughs> you know, I could use some help to get out of this prison that I'm in. Sure enough, the dream comes true. One man is freed, and the other one is executed. The one that set free was Pharaoh's cupbearer, okay? And he is released, and check this out. The Bible says, that the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So here we are again. Joseph thought he was getting out, but he's, God's blessing him while he's there. And this guy, this guy forgets him. 
all right? I mean, that's, that's kind of gratitude for you, isn't it, right? I mean, it seems like Joseph just couldn't get a break. You know, he's sold into slavery. He makes the best of the situation. He ends up in prison. If it's a prisoner, he makes the best of the situation. Ends up forgotten by the one who could help him gain his freedom. Two full years pass, and he's still in prison. Some of you may feel like that today. Feel like you're still in prison. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh, Pharaoh starts having dreams. Pharaoh has these dreams, and when he asked his Egyptian magicians and wisest men to give him the explanation or the interpretation, um, they had nothing. It's like, I got nothing. <laughs> I, they couldn't do anything with it. They had no idea what it was. So the cupbearer that got out two years earlier in the interpretation says, ah, wait a minute, I remember something here. <laughs> I remember, I remember Joseph, and he's able to interpret dreams here. And so the Bible says that in Genesis 41, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Now, that gives us an idea. The prison was not some, you know, two-star hotel, right? Like some of the prisons that we have today. This was a dungeon, this was, this was a, a horrible situation. So he got shaved and changed his clothes, and he be, came before Pharaoh, and Joseph listened to Pharaoh's dream. And with God's help, he was able to give him the interpretation again. He's able to do it. Seven, he said, you're going to have seven years of abundance. Then it's going to be followed by seven years of what? Famine. All right, famine. And so Joseph encouraged Pharaoh to find a wise man to put in charge of the land so that they could collect food during the, the years of abundance and then they would have food during the years of famine. And so Pharaoh looked at Joseph and said, you the man, you the man, all right? And so uh, he said, I, you're going to be my second in command. And so at the age of 30 years old, can you imagine? The age of 30 years old, Joseph, the former slave, <clears throat> the former prisoner <clears throat> is now the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Uh, how does that happen? God? Can someone say God? That's how those things happen. So for the next seven years, Joseph did his job well. I mean, he, you know, he made sure that, that savings of food and rations were being put away so that after the seven years of, of, of abundance, when they got into seven years of famine, they would have more than enough to not only take care of Egypt's needs, but they would have enough to help out other countries as well and other areas. So, um, and sure enough, after the seven years, famine struck. And now, back to Canaan land, okay? Let's go back there now, all right? All of a sudden... Uh, the famine affects them too. And Jacob, or Israel, his father, heard that there was plenty of food over in Egypt. You can look at your maps in your Bible, that first front cover, and see the distance that we're talking about. So he sent his sons on a journey to buy grain. He said, Michael, Jacob, I want you to go out and I want you to buy some grain, okay? Uh, and so the ten older brothers made the journey, and they, they were 
Joseph's half-brother, of course, and his full brother, Benjamin, stayed home. So he didn't go along with them. So in Genesis chapter 42, once again, verses 6 and 7, now Joseph was the governor of the land. Let's now see him in his rightful place. Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph, his brothers arrived, they bowed down to him. Notice that. They what? They bowed down to him. Remember the dream (laughs) that Joseph had that he should have kept to himself? They bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brother, he recognized them. Joseph realized that his brothers um, were his brothers, but they didn't didn't recognize him. Immediately, Joseph starts to figure out a plan, um, which tells us a little bit about his heart to reunite together with all of his brothers and his father, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, this guy has been through the ropes. This guy has been jacked every way you can imagine, right? And uh, every place he went that was supposed to tear him apart and destroy him, God shows up. Just like, just like he showed up in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He shows up, and he was with him. He was with him. He's with you. Listen to me. Whatever you're dealing with today, God is with you. You may be in a prison. You may be a slave. You may, you may be a servant somewhere. You, you may be, you know, ostracized from your family or whatever. God's with you. If you maintain the right heart, the right attitude, and commit to the right stuff, God's with you. If you let him. And think about it. It's pretty amazing given all the things that he had been subjected to by his brothers. So Joseph, here Joseph is concocting a way to get them back. Just like God, remember? Remember the whole story? God was what? From the beginning of time, he's what? He's concocting a way to get us back. Notice the types and shadows here. Old Testament new. He's figuring out a way, concocting a way to get us back. Here, Joseph kind of has that same heart. He's thinking, you know, I know they've messed with me. I know they've, they tried to kill me. They tried to, you know, sell me into slavery. They, they hated me. They've treated me badly. But I want them back. I want them back. So he concocts a way to get them to bring his little brother, Benjamin, back. And so, so he could see him. And so when Joseph learned I don't want to go into that story. It'll take too long how they did that. But when Joseph, when Joseph learned that his brothers had come back and that Joseph, or Benjamin was with them, he invited them to sit down and have lunch with them, with him. Interestingly enough, Joseph and his seating arrangements were, <laughs> had his brothers seated in order of their ages. And it kind of it was a little spooky to these brothers, right? How did he know this? How do you know our ages? Huh? Why did, how did he know we would be seated this way at our age? Later, later, Joseph devised a plan to hold his brother Benjamin somewhat hostage until his brothers agreed to go get his, his dad and bring him back so that Joseph now could provide for and protect his entire family. Wow. I mean, you think about a heart like that. It only reminds me of the heart of God. 
After all they had done, Joseph was still wanting to treat them fairly. Incredible. I mean, what an incredible story. But here t- today, thousands of years later, there's a life lesson that we can learn. A- at the young and tender age, Joseph was on the receiving end of some rather cruel treatment. And he never, he never gave in to despair. He, he never gave in to bitterness that we know of. He never gave in to unforgiveness. And those are life lessons I think all of us can learn here. He made the most of every situation, even when he was treated unfairly. And I think most of us, including me from time to time, you know, get treated the least little bit unfairly, and before you know it, we're just like, (laughs) we want revenge, right? Don't you dare treat me like that. Do you know who I am or whatever? And, and he never did that. He never, you know, gave in to despair, bitterness, and unforgiveness. And, and when the opportunity came to reconcile with his brothers, he received them with open arms. Sound like somebody we know? Notice the parallels. Notice, you know, when, when, when you know, we decide to reconcile with God with all that we've done, guess what? He receives us with open arms. Aren't you glad for that today? Well, there's like two of you. Aren't you glad like that? glad for that? Man, think about that. I mean, though our stories may, may not be, you know, as extravagant as Joseph's, we all share this in common, that we've all, all at one time been treated unfairly. All of us. We all know what it's, been, what it's like to be treated worse than we deserve. We've all been mistreated by someone at some time in our lives. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe, maybe it was a sibling. Maybe, maybe it was an employer. Maybe it was a, you know, a child or a coach or a spouse or a friend or, or a pastor. Somehow you were mistreated. Regardless of who it was, we can learn from Joseph's story how to treat the mistreated, the mistreater. How to treat the mistreater. In the few minutes we have here left, about four, um, I want to give you these four points, okay? First of all, if you've been mistreated, recognize how God has adapted the situation for good. He's adapted it for good. Notice in Genesis 45, it was, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And even though through the events of his life, it had been challenging to say the least, Joseph recognized God's hand in the details, and he goes on to say, listen to this, Genesis 45, 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God, God. And there's not a better example of the upper story and the lower story than this story, okay? I mean, you see in the lower story, from a lower story point of view, Joseph was having some serious issues, you think? I mean, then, but from an upper story point of view, God had a purpose and a plan for what was happening in Joseph's life. He was strategically positioning Joseph so that he would be in a position to save lives and provide for his own family during these seven years of famine. I don't know where you're at in your story, 
whether, whether you've been sold into slavery or falsely accused or wrongly imprisoned or forgotten, regardless of where you're at, God has not forgotten you. Please understand this. He's not forgotten you. He, he knows where you're at, and he's with you right where you're at in whatever situation. Do you remember how the Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph? As a slave, the Lord was with Joseph in prison. The Lord was with Joseph when he served before the Pharaoh. Well, the big idea here today is whatever you're going through, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, God can use it for his good. For you, for others, and ultimate, ultimately for his glory. Amen? That's what God wants to do. Second, release the offender. We can learn this from mistreaters. Release the offender. Joseph reveals his spiritual depth in the words he speaks to his brothers in Genesis 45.5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. In other words, it wasn't, it, you know, you don't need to be angry. You don't need to be upset. I've forgiven you. You know, let it go. Don't hold on to it. Let's move on. Number three, repay them with kindness. Do your best to treat people who have offended you or hurt you in some way to repay them with kindness, okay? And number four, last but not least, reinvent the relationship. I didn't say, I didn't say, revisit the relationship. I didn't say that we were going to continue the relationship. I said we're going to redefine that relationship with the proper boundaries around them. Joseph wasn't about to set himself up to be hurt like he was before. And when we get hurt by people, even though we've forgiven them, we don't need to set ourselves up to be destroyed again as well, to be hurt by that same situation. But there's four things I think we can learn from him. Wished I had more time to go into those four things today. But let's all stand together. And I want to ask you a couple questions before we go today. Every one of us have been mistreated. Every one of us have people in our life that seem to make it difficult. And I think one of the greatest takeaways from the story of Joseph is, is keeping our heart right. It's so easy to get bitter and hateful and mean and angry because of what happens to us or what people have done to us. See, until you forgive, you're never really free, no matter how successful you are. In my own story, when I was molested as a child, foster care, Years later, when I thought about this brutal teenage guy who took advantage of me and my brother, it enraged me, and I wanted to find him and hurt him. As I walked through that, I realized it's not him who's hurting, it's me. Carrying this weight around all these years, 
even as a pastor, I'm still carrying this weight of bitterness and resentment towards this young man. And I was really, I was the one in prison because I hadn't forgiven him. When we thought about it, my brother and I talked about it, we figured out a way we could find him and hurt him bad. We could use the same baseball bat he used on us. But I learned through the story of Joseph and the story of Jesus when he's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I learned from the story of Joseph. They wanted to kill him, sold him. He ended up in prison. He was wrongly accused, mistreated. And when the opportunity presented itself, rather than saying, you made your bed, sleep in it, he had grace and mercy on them. So my question to you today is, who is it in your life that may have hurt you deeply? may have taken advantage of you in all sorts of ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually, whatever that might look like to you. Who is it? Perhaps it has you locked up today. I believe God wants to set us free here today. I believe just like Joseph, God wants to prosper our lives and have favor and mercy him, even though we've been through some horrific stuff. Vicki and I have a great life, uh, and both of us have had to go back in our minds and hearts and forgive people who took advantage of us. And you know what? Every time God shows us something that we didn't even think of or something we didn't know was there, we repent and forgive them. So let's bow our heads for just a moment, and I want to ask you if that's you today, if there's something in your life that you just feel like, you know what, it's hanging over my head, and I've approached this the wrong way, I've had the wrong attitude, I've I've held them in bondage, I've locked them up, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I have resentment in my heart towards these people, and today... I need to let it go. I need to walk in forgiveness. I need to forgive them and do my best not to hold this against their charge. If that's you this morning and you'd be honest enough to acknowledge it, I want to pray for you. No one's looking around. If you want me to pray for you and you say, that's me, I need to deal with this today, let me see your hands. God bless you. God bless you all over the room. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. Wow. God, we see in Joseph a heart that reminds us of the heart of Jesus. Torn up, messed up. God, you took those things in his life and you turned them into good. Here we are thousands of years later talking about them. And and the story of Joseph is helping to bring deliverance today in 
into our lives. So, Father, we break the curse on every single life that's here in this room and those watching in our live audience today. We break the strongholds. We terminate every assignment that's been sent forth from hell that's held people in bondage and twisted them inside and caused them to walk in unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment, God. It's horrible things that happen to us, Lord. You know them. You, you know them. You're very well aware of them. Today, God, we choose by an act of our will to forgive them you just say out loud, whoever you were that raised your hand, I forgive them. Just say it. I forgive you. I forgive you. I don't hold this against you. God, you have forgiven me much. I choose to forgive much. You're so forgiving, we ought to be forgiving. God, I just pray for every person in this room and those watching that you would do a miracle in our hearts today. That you would bring healing in the area of, of bitterness. That you would, you would bring joy in the midst of sorrow. God, that you would do a miracle here in this house today. And in each person's life that this would be a, a fresh start. They'd lay it down here in this place today and not take it with them. Jesus' name, not take it with them. So just been, spend some time for just a couple minutes as we worship, saying, God, I, I am done with this. I'm not caring anymore. I, I want to forgive them so that I can walk in freedom tired of being locked up. I want freedom in Jesus' name. Let's worship for just a few minutes. If you need a prayer of agreement, there's our pastoral teams on the right and the left. They're there to pray with you. If that's you and you need somebody to pray with you, they're available. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at metrobelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church. P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin 53744.